Welcome, everybody, to another Straight Out of Islington, an Arsenal podcast. My name is Mario, and as always, my good friend Bad Evening is here with me, Ryan. Ryan, it's uh, so good to hear from you again, man. How are you? Oh, Mario, uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here in in the physical sense, but uh, mentally, I think I'm 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 far removed from uh, from this plane. That's what that's what this this fraud fraudulent fraud of a manager has done to me he's he sent me to another dimension altogether <laughs> um yeah man it's um it's been it's yeah it's just been a shit shit couple of weeks um but be- before that though you had a good time uh you, you went over to to europe again and you saw arsenal play was it standard liege yeah so actually I guess I was fortunate enough to see uh, Arsenal's last, probably last good performance, but probably best overall performance of the entire season, which was, yeah, um, Thursday night at the Emirates against uh, Standard Liège in the highest quality European competition known to mankind. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it was, honestly, it was, it was, I mean, we're all, we're all down and, and, rightfully so after tonight's performance, but um, that was a really fun night out to not only just the football, but, you know, have the atmosphere of the Emirates and around, around the stadium pre-match and um, got to meet other, other fans, obviously, and other fans from who were traveling in to watch Arsenal that night as well. So yeah, just a, just a great night out. And uh, the bonus was playing some of the best football we played all season. And, and I guess the frustrating thing is watching that, seeing what, some of the personnel are capable of why can't that be replicated uh, uh you know if, if not a weekly basis at least <laughs> somewhat more than once uh, once a month and for some reason the manager doesn't know or can't figure it out or can't get out of his own way but uh we certainly look like two different clubs when we play in europa league and when we play in the premier league so I, I Here we are. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there is a standard for this team yet. I don't think this team has found its correct uh, formation, and I, obviously we'll get into that. But the a precursor to all of this is uh, the last time Ryan and I tried to record a podcast was after the North London derby, um, which was a very heated and passionate uh, discussion, and I did the mistake of trying a different uh, service, which was absolute garbage. Um, if you guys ever want to use Zencaster to start your own podcast, don't. Um, I lost. I lost the audio, um, and I wasted. Uh, not you know. Not I don't care so much about my time, but obviously Ryan's time, which was which I, I hate doing. But uh, but anyways, we did have a podcast about that. But then um, obviously it didn't work out, and then other things happened. Ryan went on vacation. Um, and you know Elliot has his has his child, and uh, AJ has his career that he's doing. So really couldn't uh, couldn't get some podcasts out there. And there's only so much that you can tolerate of listening to my uh, voice. So here we are. Ryan went out and he did his European adventures. Actually, I actually had a question before we get into this whole thing. Ryan is like, did you like? How did you get tickets? Like I've been trying to see if I could get tickets because I think I'm. I think we I'm, we might go next year yeah so it's actually it was, it was surprisingly easy to get tickets now granted this is for europa league so there were plenty of tickets available mm. um uh, for this joke of a competition that we're in but um so it, I, I don't imagine it'd be this easy if say we we're playing you know like a chelsea or um united or anyone else decent at home in the league it'd probably be a little bit difficult mm. to get these tickets but um so being from the American st- standpoint of, of buying tickets, you know, from a secondhand source, I'm used to either like scalping or there's like StubHub, Ticketmaster, these third-party websites where you can basically you pay way above face value, um, but you can you know get access to tickets basically anywhere in the stadium. Well, in Europe and especially for Arsenal, you those sites. Although they do exist, it's technically illegal to purchase tickets from them. Uh, so you can actually go on like StubHub or Ticketmaster and, and could have bought those tickets. But if you would have been a usher at the stadium, if they saw that they were purchased from that uh, site, they actually could reject 
your ticket altogether and not let you into the stadium. Mm. And as people know from the UK, it's illegal to, they call it touting, which is the same thing as scalping. It's actually like a crime to do that out. So you won't see any people like selling tickets like, like you do in, in the States or in Canada. Mm. Um, so totally different culture, but I was able to get tickets through a, uh, art, the club itself has multiple like travel agency type organizations that they are authorized, uh, you know, third-party sellers. Mm. And so really it was, it was very simple. I looked, went to the club website. I looked at some of the vendors that they listed as official retailers and went on their site and they literally sell them for face value. So we got club level tickets for like 60 pound each. Nice. So we sat right, you know, in in club level, we were uh, behind first half were the three goals went in. So we got basically right, right behind the goal, saw the goals come in the first half. Um, and I don't know if anyone's been club level at Emirates, but you know, state of the art, unbelievable concessions and, um, just perfect, perfect angle and viewpoint to watch the game. So, yeah. So if, uh, that's, (laughs) that's how you're looking to do it. Um, just go on Arsenal website, look at the, uh, the vendors they have and go through their, their website and, it's delivered, uh, you know, to your email and pretty, pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Sweet. Yeah. It, it, sorry, a bit of a tangent. I was just really yeah. interested um, on it. But no, I'm glad that you had a good time and, uh, and, and you know, you did some other traveling. So that was awesome, man. I loved it. I, I was I was keeping up with your Instagram, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. The uh, the the tours in spain and whatnot that that looked yeah, pretty cool we had, we had a good time wasn't trip wasn't long enough but uh it was nice nice to nice to get out and see the world for a bit i like it i like it all right well let's okay let's talk about the let's talk about the sheffield uh united match because obviously that's it just it's fresh in our minds it happened today um you know okay so clearly we all know doesn't matter about these lower end teams. They're they're not quote unquote lower end teams, um, but you know they're they're set up in a way that uh, they're absorbing the pressure and then they they, they kill you uh, with a break. And that's similar to what happened this match. Um, clearly, uh, a defensive flop uh, with Arsenal. There are three um, players in David Luiz. I think Socrates was in there and Ganduzi marking two players. And of course, Granit Xhaka, who's absolute garbage, um, could not defend. And uh, Moziet, whatever his name is, the French guy, scores the goal. And uh, there, there it is. Lo and behold, uh, one nothing to Sheffield United. Uh, Ryan, when you saw this lineup, were you were you screaming as as much of the Arsenal fan base was? Uh, yeah. I mean, you just you just got to be. I think befuddled and dumbfounded would be a good way to describe this this lineup and and the caveat is this of course we don't we don't know what's going on on the training ground we don't know the metrics of the likes of Kieran Tierney, Rob Holding, Hector Bellerin, obviously all three coming back from uh you know Holding to Bellerin long term injury and Tierney kind of medium term injury but these are guys who've all been – I mean, I, I watched all three of those guys play 90 minutes on – let's see. This was October the 3rd is when that match was. So that was 18 days ago. Hmm. Um, so they played 90 minutes 18 days ago. They had two weeks off for the international break where they were presumably working on their fitness and in the gym and working on their – you know, ball skills and whatever else you do when you don't play international football during the break. So I, it's hard to believe that they weren't match fit for this game. Obviously Tierney was on the bench, so he was fit enough to, you know, play if he had to. So I don't understand. And then, then the, then there's reports and I think quotes from Emory that come out that say, well, all three of those guys are going to be involved midweek. And so now that tells me, He's going to really play these guys only in the Europa League and then have to rest them on the weekends on Sundays when we play Thursday, Sunday and not. So he, they won't play that. He won't play them Premier League matches until the group stage is done. Is that is that is that what we're is that what I'm supposed to believe, which is if that's the case, that itself, I think, is a sackable offense because you have your three, arguably three best defenders in your team when fit, and you're not going to play them because 
Why? Because our our stalwart of a backline has been so dominant and impressive all season that they haven't earned their ability to be dropped for these guys who are our best defenders. I mean, it's it's patently absurd. And all you have to do, you just you watch Kieran Tierney and Holding and Bellerin, obviously we've seen Bellerin before, but you watch especially Tierney and I don't care what his fitness levels is or what his, you know, readiness is. He's just so far beyond a better footballer and a better mm. just lack of a liability, if nothing else, than Sayad Kolasinac, that it's just crazy to me that Emery wouldn't look at him and be like, yep, you're, as soon as you're ready, you're starting every league match as long as you're fit. Not, not to mention, you just paid close to $30 million for him. So what you know? Why would you want to get some immediate return on your investment when you want to continue to play a a left back who is proven, who cannot play left back properly in a back four? He's a defensive liability, which we saw multiple times today in in a game where mm-hmm. the opposite team barely had touches in our you know opposite eighteen yard box, and still he was exposed as a as a poor defender that he is. So. Yeah, that that to me just show. I, I don't I don't think this is a manager who has the mentality, has the authority, or has the psychological wherewithal to manage a big club with big club expectations. Um, and that that that's what this shows me. It shows me he's afraid to really challenge players, and they need to be challenged. Drop players, and they need to be dropped. Unless your name is Mesut Ozil for inexplicit reasons, hmm. which I'm sure we'll get to. And yeah, his choices just leave me at this point. I, I can't, I can't really put too much logic behind them other than he's just stuck in this cycle and he's afraid to really, to make any changes. Yeah. Like, okay. So I was watching, um, you know, our favorite YouTube channel, Arsenal fan TV. Um, and uh, DT uh, was talking about how, you know, he doesn't understand, same along with you, Kieran Tierney and Rob Holding, why they're not starting. He can make a case for Column Chambers because he's actually been playing well. Uh, and so you don't want to rush Hector Bellerin too much because of his injury, which is which is understandable. I think Column Chambers um, is doing a decent job. Um, I don't know. I'll get your opinion in a second. Um, but, you know, also like Danny Ceballos, who, you know, I think can play better um then Joe Willick or whatever I don't know where you would probably slot him if Mesut Ozil isn't playing for whatever reason why not put Danny Ceballos in in the Joe Willick position which I think Joe Willick just absolutely sucked this match I don't think he I don't think he did I I, I forgot he was playing to be honest well I've got I've got some uh I mean yeah that's listen I think I, I don't know how effective Ceballos was um yeah either yeah but but, but you know what no, nobody was the yeah. only player who was arguably was Nicola Pepe who which is a shame because he missed you know right, the, yeah. the, the, the massive chance which so that's going to overshadow his performance I thought it was it was by far his best performance really he was Pepe on the night absolutely he was oh, okay. he was I mean, he was he was picking the ball deep. He was tracking back. He was he was taking players on. He was actually running at the defense, which nobody else is doing. We were so stagnant on the night. He was mm-hmm. the only one actually progressing the ball with the dribble, and he was you know active, creating chances. And uh, I mean, the the chance he missed, which again was was a big miss. But yeah. you actually look at where the play started. It started from him winning the ball back in our own third. Right. Uh, progressing the ball out, switching play, and sprinting about 70 yards to get on the end of it. And he, he fluffed his lines. But, I mean, I, yeah, I, th- I thought it was his best game in a, in a game where it's hard to pick that out because of how few chances we created and how, the, how much quality was lacking overall. But I thought he actually put in his best shift um, where I, think, I thought his teammates actually let him down in terms of yeah. just pure effort and pure drive and energy. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, talking on Willick and, and I, I think, I think anybody in that, in that formation, in that setup is going to look bad. I think this is not the first time Willick has looked bad. It's not the first time Ceballos has looked really bad. Um, yeah. 
or, or just ineffective. I mean, we, we've said it with Ozil this year as well, because that, that player in this formation with this personnel is so isolated and is so stranded and disconnected mm-hmm. from the other two midfielders and from the front line players as well. I mean, Oba and Lacazette had one shot combined for the, each of them. I know Lacazette came on with like at 65 minutes. So that's that, not to say, you know, he was mostly at fault for that, but just, just to say there were no, there were no chances. There was no connectivity yeah. once again, no service between the back line, yeah. the center midfield and the attacking players. So this, this is, this has become a signature of, uh, of this team. And, in, in the only only time we haven't seen that is when and I, and I hate to single one person out, but I really think is really the crux of it is when we played Europa League football and when Granit Xhaka has not played. We've played uh, Terrera, Ceballos, Willock, midfield. You get more athleticism, you get more dynamism, you get more activity, you get just more fluidity because players are 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 moving. They're more fluid. They're not they're not stuck in their in those positions where it's quite frankly easy to mark and Grand Xhaka cannot progress the ball uh, with a dribble or with a uh, some kind of, you know, non-linear pass. And that it's really makes us easy to set up against. And I don't think, it, you know, talk about, well, could have used Mesut Ozil. I mean, yeah, we could have, but he would have had to come deep and, and come right next to Grand Xhaka to pick up the ball to, to have any influence because in, in that formation, that setup, that number 10 just is not receiving the ball. Do you think, do you think, do you think Mesut Ozil would have made a difference in this match? I think it's easy to say, yes, he would have. I mean, I, I think in general, even on his worst day, Mesut Ozil is going to make at least one or two of those, pre-assist pass before the pass is going to lead to a big chance type type mm. passes or he's going to he's going to pick up the ball he's going to sit in an area where he will be able to receive the ball i think mm-hmm. willick isn't seasoned enough or isn't experienced enough playing that role to really know where those gaps are to kind of i mean i think that's one of mezzo greatest traits is, is where where he can kind of sit in those pockets and, and receive the ball right um and then once he gets the ball, you know, all eyes are on him and he can draw defenses out to him. And and then he's got the, the vision and the, and the craft to pick out those passes. But um, so I think I think on its on its head, it's easy to say yes. But I mean, I, th- I think it's patently absurd to look at look at this lineup, look at the bench, look at the opponents and tell anyone with a straight face that Mesut Ozil, who is making 350,000 a week should not have been available for selection, whether it be the starting 11 or in the 18 on the bench against Sheffield United. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that should not go unanswered by, by the coach, especially, especially Mario after the week that came out, which had, you know, Mesut Ozil's interview with David Ornstein, which talked about, he was very, I think blunt and honest and, about his position and, and where he wants to be. And, and, and then Unai Emery, whether it was, whether it was orchestrated, whether it was genuine or not comes out and says, so actually, yes, Mesut Ozil in the past few weeks has been working very hard in training, which to Emery's own admits that, that, that is the rubric that you need in order to get selected to play for Unai Emery. Right. So he, ju- the coach just comes out and says, Mesut Ozil, yes, worked hard in training. Therefore, does that mean that probably should think, okay, Mesut Ozil might play or at least be on the bench mm. and not selected, doesn't travel with the team, left at home. So, and then you come out and, and, and have that performance once again, which is not the first time a, a team that didn't involve Mesut Ozil has come out and completely just shit the bed and have a turgid future performance like that. And so it, it, it's really hard to not look look at that performance without the, without Mezzo as old say, so when I am your professional manager, who's getting paid millions of pounds, you're telling me you're looking at that and you can't identify and, and, and say that Mezzo would, would have a positive impact on that performance. And so I, 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 I'm at a loss to even try and decipher 
what the relationship is between the player and the coach, hmm. what the relationship is between the club and the player, because I, I was at peace, you know, after Ozil didn't get selected for the standard Liege game after he had, um, you know, played the previous Europa League match. I was, I was at peace with, okay, you know what? Emery's just going to freeze Ozil out. And until Emery is not the manager anymore, Mezzo Ozil is just never going to play for Arsenal. And I was kind of like, you know what? Hey, that's fine because at least you made a stance. This is, for whatever reason, this is this player is just not your guy. You're not going to play him. You're going to freeze him out. It wouldn't be the first time it's happened to, to a kind of high-profile player. Fine. So be it. Um, but then he comes out and says, oh, no, he's been working hard and he's actually you know, improved his, his uh, efforts in training. Okay, so now is the Ozil's back. He's back in his good graces. Maybe he'll play, and then he doesn't travel to Sheffield United. Just, so, so, so you know, it, it's just, and he's he's making this is a crisis made out of, you know, completely by Unai Emery at this point. Like, you know, it, it's it's going to keep coming up. He's going to keep getting asked the question because he keeps contradicting himself. Do you so? And I, and I and I do want to keep speaking about the Mezzarozzo thing because it's really it's really harsh on him. I mean, d- despite what you may think of Mezzarozzo over the past couple of seasons with Arsenal, um, I, it there was this one thing that I read today, and I don't know if it's true. And correct me if it's already been debunked or whatnot. But uh, at the end of the Europa League final last season, I think I don't I don't know if he played. Or it might have been a game where he says you're not a real manager or something, or you're not a coach. Um, do you know that anything? That was, I think that was, yeah, I think that was when he got subbed off the Europa League final. I think that was like lip reading in Turkish. I don't think that's been okay verified. Okay, I don't. I didn't see much come of it after like the first couple of days where it got kind of spread on Twitter. So I don't. I don't. I mean, listen. I, I think it's clear to clear that they've had differences and disagreements yeah. probably probably on the training ground um maybe in the, in the locker room you know during matches because otherwise you can't really explain his just clear disdain for Mesodozel and and just lack of him being involved and, and i'll tell you what i i, I think i think Mesodozel has not deserved this treatment because he he came back from summer and he worked his absolute ass off in preseason he he was he was uh, working hard, tracking back, running his ass off in preseason matches, which which came to us as a surprise to most people. Um, I mean, he started the first match of this, uh, or he, he started the second match of the season away to Watford, and then and then just got dropped mm-hmm. completely. So imagine you're Mesut Ozil and you're getting all these mixed messages, and then you get. You get you're starting, you're benched, you're starting again, bench complete, not even bench, left out of the squad completely, and then you're you're praised by saying, oh yeah, he's actually worked very hard in training now, um, and then he gets left out of the squad completely. So what what are you supposed to think if you're the player? That's right. You know, you, you asked me to work hard in training. I have. You, you've said so. You've said as much. So what the fuck? You're gonna you, now you're not gonna play me. But meanwhile, you're gonna keep. Just keep starting Granit Xhaka, Kalasinac <laughs> every match after they just keep putting up four out of tens i mean does does meza so here here's a question does does meza mezit ozil still have a part to play in this team regardless I, of whether emery is on or not i've i think well, i think he's got something to prove i i think he's got a lot to give on yes, the field yes as, as as a player i don't i think I think we, I mean, we've, we've seen that. I think we saw it in the second goal against Watford. I mean, I, I think that's clear. Is he, is he a 90 minute every week, Matt, uh, kind of guy, especially away to away from home? Maybe not, but I think we kind of knew that, but does that mean he's, he can't play against fucking, I mean, you can't, you can't, again, you can't play him against Sheffield United at home. You can't play him, uh, you know, against Bournemouth at home. You, you, you know, when, when can you play him then? Exactly. So I, 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 and I, I'm not even going to begin to guess, does he have a part to play under this manager? Because quite frankly, you drive yourself crazy trying to figure that out. So come, come January, if Arsenal are 
Seventh, eighth in the league. Um, do you think the upper management would have the balls to fire him and and, and let Loinberg finish? I, I think I, I think in general the attitude of of Raul and Edu um, after seeing the the mass clear out we had in the in the playing staff, I think that it would not be surprising if they made that call. And I think I think it needs to be done before January. Yeah, because I don't think you can wait that long um, if if that's the position we're in to make that call. Because Is- I think. I, I I personally think I think I said this I just I know I said this in the Tottenham pod that didn't get uh, published but I I would I would get rid I said I'd get rid of him uh, right then and there because yeah we we've we've now seen 16 months of what Unai Emery is bringing to this club and I don't think anyone has a clue of what style we play what our identity is what our bread and butter is i don't think the players know i don't think he knows i don't think he knows who he wants to start from one week to the other i don't think he knows who he can rely on i don't think he knows who he can really trust on the field i don't think he trusts his own decisions and i don't think he's got what it takes to manage this level of a club i think i think we kind of probably already knew that if you watched him at psg um but we still had the fraudulent fraud Ivan Gazidis running the club at the time, and he's the one who gave him the job. So I think we shouldn't, as a club, double and triple down on, on an initial bad decision. And I think I don't think we can play any worse or any more defunct or lifeless under an interim manager, under a Freddie Unberg, under a you know anyone else you'd want to give it to for the rest of the season. I mean, I think, and I, and I think if it wasn't for the goals of Pierre Emerick or Aubameyang, we'd be probably sitting seventh, eighth or ninth right now. And, and you know what? I mean, when you said the players don't even know, I mean, that is, that's, that's what we're seeing on the pitch right now, right? Absolutely. The, the players are not knowing. Do you think the players have lost confidence in, in this management? I don't, I don't think they really ever had much of it. Right. I mean, I, when you, I'm sorry, when you have a, you have, we have a Ballon d'Or shortlist candidate on our team. Okay. Yeah. And I know, okay, some of the players involved in that list shouldn't be there, like Hugo Lloris, but <laughs> everyone knows Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is arguably, if not the best, one of the best strikers in world football currently. Yep. I agree. And we're one nil down to, again, all due respect to Sheffield United, but to Sheffield fucking United. Mm-hmm. And, Emery has him hugging the t- hugging the the sideline, whipping in crosses, one nil down in the 80th minute. Yeah, there's nobody there. The, the, it, every single ball they crossed in there was won by Sheffield's yeah, defense. Of course, because they're they they've got three pub bouncers as center backs just waiting to eat those fucking crosses up. Because of course they are. So, but but even even if even if uh, there's somebody else whipping them in. You would think you'd want your Ballon d'Or shortlist striker at least in the area to maybe get on the end of them, but instead he he's shunted out wide to to, for, to be the one uh, hitting the crosses instead. And then you look you look at our you look how we finished the match like Bakayo Saka was playing like holding midfielder. Yeah, it was strange. It's such a strange and, match. And he wouldn't sub off Kalasinac who every time he got the ball was just a complete dead end and had to get recycled back to Guendouzi. So if you have a, have a player who's such a liability, why wouldn't you sub him out? Or and just just play Sokka there and, and not even play it with a left winger. And if, and if you give up a goal, you know, in the 89th minute on a counter because of that, fuck it, who cares? But like, to a man, I've never seen a manager be so afraid and be so scared to do anything proactive. And and it seemed like the time the time in the league where we have played proactively and played aggressively uh, attacking football is not is not wasn't because of Unai's in, instinct uh, directions or tactics. It's when the players just kind of got fed up and said fuck it, we're just going to go play some football like against Villa with 10 men. It was kind of like you know, throw everything out out of the window because you're down a man. And and what happened was we put put them under pressure, scored goals, won the game. 
Is 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 this is is this why Arsenal's away form is terrible? Like, I mean, Arsenal's away form under under Arsene Wenger's last season was terrible as well. But I mean, why can't we get it right? Like, why why is every single time Arsenal become like these bunch of pansies when we play away? I don't get it. Well, I mean, I, I would say it's it's away, but we kind of play the same match against Bournemouth at home before the break. And the difference was we got a, a kind of cheap set piece goal and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that would have been the difference today too. I mean, if Pepe scores and we mark their striker, who's just standing there by himself, literally inside the six yard box and they don't score from that, then maybe we win one nil and we're kind of, Hey, we're in third. And, but the performance is the same. So I don't think it's even really much to do with away or home. I think it's to do with, He's putting out the same players. He's putting out the same formation. He's giving the same instructions. And the players look listless. They look like, I mean, Gwendozy, who's who's doing his damnedest to play progressive uh, football and, and, you know, get some kind of attacking semblance going. He looks just, just exasperated. He looks knackered. He's... I mean, he looks up, he looks, but he looks, he looks, he looks sad. I mean, He's got no one to pass to. Nobody's making nobody's making runs. There's no there's there's one striker surrounded by three center backs. Uh, everyone else, you know, is is in a is in a you know horseshoe formation around the perimeter, and there's there's no plan. So there's no plan. There, that's plan A. That's plan B and plan C. And and the thing is, when we look at the goal, like I mean, I I've touched about it a little bit. There was three defenders on one guy and they didn't even it's not like they even tried to attempt to um head the ball away and granite jaka who i don't think he knows where he is half the time easy easy for him to try to defend but like it just like david louise looked like he was he just could not be bothered guendouzi I know that he's been giving his all. I think he's been the best player so far. But soccer, like uh, Socrates, like it just, it it seemed it was such bad defending on that set piece, and it, it was just like it, it, I shook my head and I'm like, this is it. This is how this game is gonna end. It was very boring, and I'm like, Jaka is just standing there like a fucking idiot. And I'm just like, what are you doing, bro? Like you, you can't even see that this guy is like, I, I don't know. But the interesting part about, about this whole match is that he took Granite Xhaka off. Yeah. Like early. Like, I yeah, mean, took, that's gotta be a highlight. I'm like, yeah, I tell you, it was, <laughs> that was the Lacazette sub, wasn't it? Yeah. And I'm like, um, what are you doing, bro? This is your man. But then he, then he takes off Pepe, who again, was the best Weird. player, was the best player by a mile and after pepe went off we just fell apart we didn't create anything and we lost our our tempo and i thought Saka had a, had a pretty poor match yeah he did. he did create that that good crossing chance for uh ceballos who mishit it but i thought he would you know after that i thought undeserved yellow card for the dive i thought he looked a little Let- timid and and kind of uh you know again he's an 18 year old kid so he's gonna he's gonna have those matches so I, you know, why would you why would you not take him off? Yep. Instead of your seventy two million pound signing, who's actually been playing well, and why would you not keep him on? So like things like that, they just don't. It just doesn't make sense. It it almost seems like like Emery is playing a real life FIFA twenty, where he's just like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take off Pepe. He looks tired. You know how you see the meters, uh, yep. on, on the players. Yeah. Oh, he looks tired. I'm gonna take him off. Um. But anyways, I want to go back because you did you did mention Zaka uh, um, with that uh, dive. It, would you, from given the angles, it didn't look like he dived. It, it looked like he got clipped. No, no, it wasn't. It was at the very least, it was a no penalty, no dive situation because he yeah he he actually ju- kind of does a little little jink to to push the ball away from the defender and defender and him kind of almost in sync kind of meet and there is a clip there's a clip of his ankle there is. i don't think it was enough to for him to go over but i think he was kind of jumping to shift his body weight over to that side where he was pushing the ball yeah it's kind of and then i think i think that little contact actually put him off balance it certainly wasn't a dive but um you know mike dean is gonna was gonna 
Oh. He needs to have a Mike Dean moment, and that was it. Terrible. And so, and you can you make the case there's a penalty on Socrates on the corner yeah. where he gets his jersey pulled. I was going to ask um, you about that. You know, I, again, I by the letter of the law, the jersey pull is a is a foul, is a penalty. Yeah. Um, I don't think Socrates does himself any favors because literally every corner he throws his arms up like he's in that kind of diving motion, like he's getting pushed or pulled. And so I don't know if that reputation hurt him there in that moment, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, again, I, these aren't the reasons we didn't win the game or, or get a draw. These are, these are, you know, again, if, if you're uh, as a manager, if you're looking at those moments saying that this is why we lost, then yeah. you're, 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 you need to go yeah. because you're not, you're not looking at yourself and you're not creating more than three shots on target against uh, a newly promoted side, albeit a well-organized, well-coached, well-drilled newly promoted side. Uh, you, you have to do better. Uh, with with the amount of talent in that team, you just simply have to do better. I mean, Arsenal at this point, they're in a crisis. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, again, just like last season when we kind of had the 22, un, you know, 22 straight points uh, unbeaten, that, that papered over cracks of what was a, a flawed – Yep. and overperforming team. And I think, again, we have a superstar player who has won us points so far this season that we did not deserve to win. And when he doesn't, when he doesn't pull something out of his ass, we don't, we don't win points. And that's what we saw tonight. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. Like, I mean, if Obama Yang, I, I'm wondering if the, that interesting statistic, if Obama Yang was not playing, I don't think Arsenal would have gotten any wins. I don't think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, based, just based on his goals alone. Yeah, like, I mean, the guy's carrying, single-handedly carrying this team. And I feel and I feel so bad for him, too. Like, I mean, I feel bad for um, Mesut Ozil for more, more so. But, I mean, yeah, Obama Yang, I mean, at this point, he's probably throwing his hands up and like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, what am I doing at this club? He's, yeah. he's getting no service whatsoever. I hate the fact that he's coming so deep into his own half to even try to get a touch of the ball. Like, your striker should not be doing that. No. Like, he should be getting the service he, he's needed. And, and not not even to mention, okay, like, this Granite Xhaka, Matteo Ganduzi pairing just does not work. There is nobody there to carry the ball from defense to to attack. There's nothing. Like he's got to stop that. Like I, I just I don't I don't get like don't take off Ganduzi. We know we know you can't take him off, and we know he's not going to take Grand Jaka. What has to give? I mean, the, the only thing that's I think is going to come is uh, I think Jaka's next yellow. He gets a suspension. So, it, but it, you know that that's I think of what it's going to have to take for him to not not play um, a league match. But but here's the thing, though. If he took off Granit Xhaka so early in the match, in the second half, is he starting to realize something now, do you think? Uh, I mean, potentially. Uh, but, again, we'll see when, he, when we come to Sunday. Yeah. it's Because we, if – We play on Thursday, do we not? Well, Thursday – Yeah, league match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't count Europa as like a, a gauge on anything because – Yeah, I don't either. If that was the case, he would actually reward the players who perform in those games and give them league minutes, but um, he doesn't do, do you think, obviously believe in that. Do you think Do you think if he brings on Kieran Tierney, obviously, um, Rob Holding, and let's say Hector Bellerin, right? Those are the three defenders that we're wanting to see playing – can you make a case for Colin Chambers right now playing ahead of Bellerin? Oh, not not ahead of Bellerin, I think. But, I mean, he's – listen, Bellerin, Tierney, and Holding are going to start on Thursday, and they will not play on Sunday. Yeah. Because this manager does not know how to manage talent and, and personnel to prioritize the matches that matter. The Europa League doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't. Those guys don't need to play, first of all, for us to get a result against Vittoria Guarm. Yes, okay. Like they don't need to play. They need to be playing in the Premier League on Sunday at home, so we can finish top four and get out of this fucking dreadful competition that is Europa League. Mm-hmm. But this manager doesn't seem to get that. He seems to think, well, if we finish top of the group, 
and then you know we get a get a good favorable draw in the round of 32 and then oh make it to the round of 16 and we can we can we want to win trophies you know that that's what this guy's done he's won three europa leagues and he thinks it's the fucking end all be all yeah and 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 not like arsenal of you know you know can turn away trophies or like you know we're this uh royalty of european football but the goal is not to be winning europa league trophies it's to be playing in the champions league yeah that's... and the, and the best the best way to to ensure that is to finish a high in the league as possible not to win the europa league in which you know anything can happen it's it's a cup competition we and we saw that when we got absolutely fucking steamrolled by chelsea who had nothing to play for uh, in, in the final last year so to rely on that is is it's criminal. It's terrible. terrible. Would you shed so, it? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just a count. Now, Callum Chambers, I think you make a case he could he could start in center defense. Mm, okay. Based off his his performances, I, I mean, I think he's he's played decent at right back. I thought tonight he struggled a bit in possession. I think when you pressure him, you know, he's not at his best because he's not a right back. He's not quick enough to to be effective in that in that mm-hmm. position. But I think he's I think he's done very well in individual defensive scenarios to earn him a spot in center defense, but do I think he's going to drop Socrates or David Luiz for him? No, because Emery won't do that. You know, because <laughs> he, he's a coward. Emery doesn't know what he's doing. So, shed a tear if Emery was announced uh, fired tomorrow? No, I think it would be a sensible decision. I don't think it'll be done. Um, I don't think the results on paper have been catastrophic enough, I think, to warrant that. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I wouldn't say we'll see what happens Thursday. We'll see what happens Sunday. I, I think if there's a similar team selection, a similar performance, obviously a similar result, then I think you really start getting into the territory of where I think they got to pull the trigger because at that point, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we, this is all in the back of United being a joke, Spurs being a joke so far, Chelsea, who seems to be coming into their, to their own, and so I think they're going to be pushing for that that third force position. Yep. And so if you if you continue to let these results, uh, you know, teeter out as they have, and 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 not just the results, the you know the scoreline, but the performances. Mm-hmm. What more does Raúl need to see to realize that this guy does not have a plan, and he does not have the ability to change this you know, run a form and these performances that we're seeing week in, week out. Well, well, you said it like Man United are fucking up. Tottenham are fucking up. It's a perfect opportunity for Arsenal to grab that third, fourth spot. Yeah. It's there for the taking and they're in, they're just as bad. And, and, and meanwhile, Leicester's just yeah, really Leicester. not victory after victory. So they're not waiting around for either of these joke of a clubs to, 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 you know, find their, their stride. So if we we don't we don't change something, whether it's the manager changing his tactics, his team selection, or the board changing the manager, we were going to find ourselves looking at sixth, fifth place, and looking at fourth place again, and saying, well, if only if only we'd have done something sooner. And it's not you, you can't you can't afford to do that. You can't we cannot afford to miss out on Champions League yet again with a prime Aubameyang, uh, Lacazette, you know. Pepe, the signings we've made, the, the talent we have, it's just, there's no excuse. And, and if this manager is does not show the progress made to get to those positions, then you, then you shouldn't be here. And it's not even a, a personal thing. It's just it's objectively the right thing to do organizationally. Yeah, and, and um, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Um, Honestly, I lost the train of thought. Damn it! It was so good too when you were saying uh, what you, when you were talking about it. Um, but yeah, no, I, friggin' oh man, this is pissing me off. I lost that train of thought, and it was such a good point too to add to what you were saying. Um, but I okay, whatever. Maybe I'll come back. Maybe it's not. It's just um, something popped up about Patrice Evra basically dissing up Arsenal uh, and whatnot. Um, oh no, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I mean, you you did mention Leicester, and Leicester is coming up, man. And I'm afraid of that game. Like, I, I I'm not gonna lie. You know, Leicester's what third place, 
and they're doing really well. Like you're is that, saying, is that what we have on Sunday? No, I don't think that's who no. We it's have. coming. Is it? Is it the week after? It, I think it's the week after. I think. Uh, who does? Who? What is this? Arsenal. Disgusting club. Oh, play on Crystal Sunday? Crystal Palace. Palace. Oh, <laughs> Palace. And then we play uh, Liverpool for the League Cup. Uh, Leicester is November 9th. Yeah, so Palace, who did us three two at home last year, so that'll that'll be that's the uh, the. So Zaha will be will be ready for that one since we, since he didn't get his move. Oh, so he'll, yeah, he'll he's scoring two and drawing another penalty for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. So listen, that that to me that's a match. If we don't win, Unai Emery should be sacked Monday morning. Hundred percent. It's I, that simple. It's really that simple. I, like if I would you, agree. If you if you come out of if you come out of, you know, Bournemouth at home, Sheffield United away, and Crystal Palace at home, with at maximum four points. You, you 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 don't deserve to have the job you just don't yeah and, and not to mention um i was reading I, well i read a headlines of the articles uh december is going to be really tough uh month man city chelsea uh man united january 1st um it's going to be it's, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks coming up you know you know sorry this is just completely irrelevant to to that yes you are correct uh and and decembers are always challenging because of the, the fixture pilot but it, it, this is what sums sums up unai emery to me so i i'm at the stadium watching versus uh standard liege and we're up four nil completely dominant it's a stroll in the park it's a great night out everyone's enjoying the football passing it around olays this fucking manager <laughs> brings on pierre emmerich Aubameyang in the 81st minute in a Europa League match, when we're leading four nil, why? And I, 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 in a in a situation where I should have just been cheering and celebrating, I've never been so mad in a game where Arsenal have been up four nil. Oh really? But I literally looked around. I said, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> Pierre Mkhitaryan should have been sitting in the same section as me, enjoying Not- the match. Not fucking coming on in eighty first, but th- this is this is the type of manager he is. He's he's so scared. Like at four, at four nil up, he thought to himself, "I've got to bring Aubameyang on to secure secure the victory to to make an exclamation point." Right, man. man it's four nil against Standard Liège in the Europa League. No one cares. What you need to do is get Aubameyang ready for fucking Bournemouth so we can go beat them three nil. And, and and that that that's what sums up the the mentality and attitude he has is he just doesn't get it he doesn't have what it takes he doesn't get it he can't man he can't man manage he can't tactically manage and if we don't do something about it quick we'll see ourselves back playing standard liege next year mm-hmm. and it won't be in the champions league nope no champions league i don't know uh, i i i've of I've, I've already had it with this guy um emery can go i don't care they they can bring in David fucking Moyes. No, no, maybe don't bring Just him. Ask yourself that what 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 haven't we seen in the sixteen months that Emery's been in charge? What what opportunities hasn't he had to display his managerial prowess and his his ability to put a stamp on this club? Right. He's he's had every opportunity possible in 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 cup competitions in the league with a rotated side. With a fully healthy side, you know, managing injuries. Uh, so there's nothing. There's nothing he hasn't shown us. And all and he's and the people think, well, you know, just wait till Tyranny and Bellerin are back. They're back. Yeah, they are. He, and, and he's not playing them. He 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 said, as a quote, Kolasinac hasn't done enough. Hasn't done anything to get dropped. Well, excuse me. I don't know what he's seeing. First of all, Kolasinac. First, that, that statement's false, by the way. But even if it wasn't, even if he'd been just okay and fine, he doesn't need anything to do anything to get dropped. You just spent $30 million on Kieran Tierney. You play him. You play him because he's the better player. I, I don't honestly, I don't think he had any insight into getting these guys. I think it was all done by the upper management, by Raul and Edu. And they're like, we're bringing yeah. on these guys. These are the guys here. Play with them. But then he's probably thinking, "Oh, I don't really know these guys. I've already, I already know, you know, Jaka and Kaselniash or whatever, and they're they're good enough for me." It's like, no, dude, you got these players for a reason. Play them. Like, did you not see 
like did these guys not school you in why they brought in these players it just seems like he doesn't he's yeah well that's that that, and that's where you you don't a manager who's savvy who gets big club football when your your big guns are fit and ready to go you play them and you drop whoever has been playing in front of them you say thank you for for holding it down you're going to come in for europa league you're going to get your your league minutes when we do rotate but this is this is he's the number fucking three okay yep hector bellin is the number two you play your number two and your number three and your fullbacks and you shut the fuck up and you get out of the way. They're the first name on the team sheets and league matches. End of story. Unless they're injured, they're fucking playing. And this guy doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. That Yeah. I, I, and I don't know. I don't know where, where we're going to be at. But uh, anyways, we're, we're, uh, we're coming up to the end of this. I think we've beat this, uh, beat this uh, dead horse. Um, and then, you, hey, Europa League on uh, on Thursday. I can't wait. 3 p.m. Another garbage match. Um, but I, I'm I'm still gonna watch it. I'm a sucker for well, pain. It's, it's it's the best football we played all year. So it's actually the most. You know, if you want to enjoy Arsenal for for a, for a change, <laughs> tune into the Europa League because apparently that's the only time we're allowed to play expansive, attacking, attractive football. So yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, don't 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 miss out don't. because uh, su- Sunday's coming and. Back to the, uh, you know, putrid brand of Emery Ball that we that we know to love. Honestly, the last couple of matches have been so boring for me. It's terrible. Like, it's, it's just been bad. It's awful. Yeah, it's been terrible. Um, anyways, actually, you know what? I want to just tell you, uh, non non Arsenal related. Uh, did you watch the uh, Canada U.S. match two nil? I actually did not watch it, but I definitely drank up all of the shout and frode and all of the hot takes um <laughs> I, I uh those who don't know i'm actually a not only am i not a fan of the u.s men's national team i'm a avid anti-fan of them so um and my my uh my family's canadian so I'm, i love that that canada's I got a result and are hopefully on the up and up for them. So good, good match, eh? It was fuck. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't watch it, but it was. Oh man, Fonzie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was. Yeah, I was just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Elliot actually was like, "What well, I think you put in the the group chat, like, oh Canada or something like that." Yeah, uh, Elliot's Elliot's a big Craig Burhalter stand, so he, he's he's. He's been quiet lately. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't think he is, but he can't. He's not here to defend himself, so exactly. I will. I will. I will slander him. Yeah, this this coming from an Atlanta United fan, so that's okay. It's okay. Uh, Toronto FC is going to win the fucking MLS Cup. Uh, that's a big big rematch from last year, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it should be. Hopefully, yeah. well, I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they make make it past New York on Wednesday. It's all about football this uh, this week. I love it. Um, anyways, closing remarks, Ryan. Um, Emery out. <laughs> Perfect. We're gonna end. We're gonna end it that way, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Uh, hit us up. All the info is in the bottom there. If you want to, if not, cool. Um, have a good night. Good morning, wherever you may be listening. Emery out.